8. So say we're going to talk about Acts 8 and 1 through 25. It's there. Uh, but just to uh, keep, uh, just to recap a little bit from last time, um, uh, we saw Stephen be stoned and he died, and, uh, and Saul, Saul was there participating, and as the first verse to this, as he's uh, approving of the stone. Um, so then one of the seven is dead, and then today we're going to hear a little bit, hear about one of the other seven that's going to shift uh, we're going to follow the story. So that's kind of where we're jumping in. I call it the gospel is scattered out of Jerusalem to Judah and Samaria. And it may not be a, uh, uh, what's it called, an arrow, and so uh, Philip will go down here to Samaria. And it says that he, go down, he, scrolls, he goes down, but recently he goes up, but he really goes down because this is higher elevation, so down into Samaria. And, but let's read together from the um, from the text. And that's where I read my Bible. And Saul approved of his execution. So that was Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great, great meditation over him. But Saul was ravaging, ravaging the church, entering house after house. He dragged, them, men, dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now the, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city, and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is a power of God that is called faith. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles, seeing signs and great miracles, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them. 
that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, they had laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May you silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither heart nor law in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that it is possible that the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond, in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answers, answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon you. And now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. This is the word of the Lord. And so we we enter this uh, into this uh, this journey here today with the with the yeah with the scattering of uh, of uh, some of the believers. The apostles the apostles they say uh, they uh, they say Jerusalem despite the persecution they stay there. Many people say well to to preserve some of the church that's there and encourage them. Uh, but I was just, I was reminded so much about this verse from the beginning of Acts that Jesus had told them. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and Judea. So this is what's happening now that even through this persecution, uh, as the believers are scattered. And today we're going to talk mostly about Philip. We see how Philip is effective in, in sharing the gospel with the people in Samaria. Um, many smart people and people that divide up Acts will say something changes here in Acts 8. Uh, because of what I just said, now the focus is shifts from Jerusalem to the surrounding regions. And then later we'll see it go further. So some people would say, well, here is something big happens. I mean, something happens. So the, the, the gospel starts spreading wider than, than Jerusalem. Um, before we go to Philip, there is a, they, um, what do you call it? Well, Stephen died last week. And so he will be missed by the believers. Uh, he'd be missed by the widows that he was serving, and also the, the, his, his gifts and abilities that, that they couldn't withstand. He was full, full of the Holy Spirit to argue and talk to people. They'll be missing that as a church. So, some uh, devout people make great lamentation and sorrow over, uh, over Stephen. But I'm thinking also of the hope of the gospel, and also knowing what Stephen was saying. Died. 
knowing that Stephen saw Jesus receive him into heaven, and the hope that we have, that our death here is not a death forever. And as Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never die. But when you die, you will go to be with Jesus. And then uh, in a twist of events that I talked a little bit about last time also, um, that, uh, that Paul can be uh, so zealous, like he, um, had three, he was dragging the church, entering house to house, dragging people off to be committed to prison. Uh, Saul is really trying to, along with the other leaders, to stamp out the fire. But as he's trying to stamp out the fire, the fire just keeps spreading to different places. He's not, he's not putting it out, but it just, it just keeps out. And so I thought it was this interesting part of how God uses Saul, who turns his Roman name becomes Paul, but he's using Saul's persecution and seal to spread the gospel before Paul even realized that that is what he's going to do later. Um, so it's interesting just to see that God is using him even before he knows it. Because I see so zealous of persecuting people, people get scattered out, and we're going to see here um, what the what, what the effects of Philip's ministry there in in Samaria. And so the effects is that there's there's great joy. People are getting healed. People are receiving the gospel. Um, so that's really good. Really, really, really good news that they're receiving Jesus as to Christ. And you can also say it's a little bit on the strange side since the Jews have a very, have a very uh, awkward relationship to the Samaritans. And mostly didn't want to have anything to do with them. And even though they had some kind of kinship, they didn't believe that they were true Jews. Um, And that's, I got ahead of myself. But basically, it's like they go and share the good news. Uh, the, the, that dividing wall of hostility, also that Paul talks about, has now been torn down. And Philip has no problem going to the Samaritans and sharing the good news. And Jesus didn't either. He also went through Samaria, meets the woman at the well, and so on. But we see something <laughs> a little bit funny I'll share later when they're going back. Um, but they see a response to the gospel. They see people come to know Jesus. They see believers come. And then there's this, uh, there's this uh, turn where they, they hear what Philip is doing back in Jerusalem, and then they send out Peter and John. And uh, this, is some, this is a thought I did, I guess, but I read it from some other people. Uh, because why did they send those two leaders from the, from the Jerusalem church? Well, just like we talked before, because of the not very good relationship they had with each other, those two groups of people, and uh, also Philip being a, a Greek Jew, well, we want to, the, the Church of Jerusalem, the one true church, wants to make sure we're not going to make all sorts of small churches everywhere. No, we're just one church. And so therefore, they sent out those two people to come and pray and bless the church. There's only one church. There's not a church for Samaritans and for Jews. There's one church in Jesus Christ. And there's no dividing walls of hostility. 
then we have this kind of weird, <laughs> and we have this, uh, at least for me, kind of strange story about Simon the Magician. And, and again, it's like, don't they have more names? Like sometimes Simon, sometimes Peter is also called Simon. But now we have Simon, Simon Peter, and now we have Simon the Magician. But, uh, uh, but he's, uh, uh, Simon is a Oh, I forgot that. Totally forgot that part. But we'll come to that later. Okay, so then um, we have this uh, story about Simon the magician. And uh, it's, it's just a little bit of a strange story. But then, uh, but why is it here? He went the wrong direction. So, so why is this like? Why is this story here? And I was just thinking, you know, um, every time God has something good, there's a counterfeit. Satan has a counterfeit, counterfeit signs, counterfeit different things. So if we look at look at it, it'll be like there's true humility in Jesus. There's also false humility. That's not really humility. There's a true joy in Jesus. There's pretending to be joyful. There's godly service. There's Pretending to be God in service. There's uh, worship to God. There's wanting to be worshipped. Um, there's pretending to trust in Jesus, and then there's trusting in Jesus. Um, there's my tendency to like trust that Jesus will um, will will be the one that judges, and then there's like, well, I'm gonna judge people myself and get revenge. So every time there's something good, there seems to be this counterfeit. And I'm going to I'll touch on it later, but, um, but in the West we don't really believe in magic and stuff. But we'll come back to it. But I think the purpose of why Luke is putting this in here is to show that the power of God is so much better than any false religion and any magic act or cult or anything. And because we see Simon's response, and that and this was the man that used to be called great and the power of God. He is amazed when he's along the field. He's amazed at how God's power works for Philip. And all this points to what we talked about before. There's much joy in this because Jesus is setting people free. And then we have this uh, downfall of, of Simon. Uh, Described that he believes, but then he tries to buy the gift of God with money. Um, when he sees that disciples, uh, when John and, uh, and Peter put their hands on the disciples and they receive the, the Holy Spirit, he wants that power. He's like, Can I have this? I'll pay you for it. Um, Peter confronts him and says, You are in great bitterness and in iniquity. Your heart is not right with God, God. You need to repent. Simon responds kind of awkwardly and says to the to John and Peter to pray. He was actually supposed to pray himself. Um, not as uh, But Simon really would like to get out of the consequences. So he would really like to not die along with his world. Um, so it's a question to us, like. When we do something wrong, if we actually repent and 
say we fall short together, we, we pray more like worldly sorrow, so we would like to get out of the consequences of our sin. Uh, in the conclusion, and this was the part I found a little bit, a little bit interesting, and also found in the commentary, uh, as a conclusion, um, The 25, now when they had testified, spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to do some preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. And there was this uh, one that sister pointed out, this is John, who has another brother. And last time they were in Samaria, they wanted to like, <laughs> they wanted to call a fire down on these villages. <laughs> so something else, which is something has also changed in John's attitude towards, towards the Samaritans. Now they go out of their way to tell many people about Jesus uh, and not calling fire down on them. Uh, so maybe that was also about Jesus. They said, no, let's not, let's not call fire down on these people. Uh, um, but just, so that's just a recap of what it is. So, so, what I'm, um, so what does that mean for us today? I think there's like, I have a few points. There's one point called the persecution of the church. Then there's one that's called, what about the false gospel of the day? And what about our hearts today? So it seems like if we're looking at church history, that's where I want this verse to. And we use this verse a lot in, in uh, what's it called, in Job as well. Looking back at history, Right now, here in Acts, but also we've heard stories about China, we've heard stories about, stories about Iran, we've heard stories about the old uh, Russia, North Korea, where governments are really trying to stamp out and destroy Christian witness. It seems like it spreads more. So we say, well, that's good or bad. We can also read the verse here from Romans. So therefore we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So like when we spend a long time on Job, suffering can actually do something in us as humans. Not all suffering is bad. There's probably something that God only works through suffering in us. And that's what Romans said is it produces endurance, character, and hope. I do think it's kind of a warning. I said, well, for us, if you live in a free place and your belly is full, and especially if you get a better job if you're a Christian and you get tax breaks, because if it becomes more attractive, the perks that you get to be a Christian, a lot more be focused on that than the call of Jesus to come back and take up the cross and follow him. But you can also look at what happened to the Israelites in the promised land. 
They unfortunately did what Moses said. And when their buildings were full, and they had prosperity, they started to worship other gods. I think it's a warning for us as a church that we're never to take following Jesus for granted or his things. And when we start to get very prosperous, we have to watch out that we're still dependent on who Jesus is instead of falling away to other gods and worshiping them. And you may say, well, I'm not actually to another god. No, no, not another god, maybe. But then there's the other things you that might take their place. Success, power, seeing your kids succeed, wanting to get married, whatever it is that all of a sudden sneaks up on you because you're not really super focused on Jesus. I have a thing where it's like, but Jesus never come, came to give you your items. No, he came to take them away from you so you'll be free to follow Jesus and not the desires that are more never satisfied. What are the opportunities that persecution brings and even limitations? In this COVID time, we've had many strange limitations. I think most of us are probably annoyed at them. Um, but I also think it can actually help us to pray, evaluate other things we need to do differently. We can pray for new creative ways to reach out and to serve others, new ways to share the gospel. Maybe even look at our our fellowship I mean, is it only centered around Sunday? Or should we have a should we have a fellowship that is connected throughout so that we don't miss people if they're not here on Sunday? Even just thinking through those things and we go, okay, how can we serve those things? How can we spend more time in prayer? How can we reach out to our neighbors? And also if people can't come to church, but what, what do we do instead? Because the goal is the goal is to see more people know Jesus, just like we saw when the joy came to the Samaritans. So it seems like if God is using uh, and Acts is using persecution and limitations, well then maybe even in our situation, God is using this somehow. And then as a God is always working, but sometimes we don't really see it. So something to obey in this section would be, well, don't fall into the trap of, trap of trusting your wealth, your own mind. Um, and start serving, and start serving yourself in Jesus. And this one's hard. Count and joy when trials come. It's a way that Jesus can work in and through us to the people around us. And it can lead to much joy for the nation. And now to the magic part. Um, what about, what does that have to do with today about false gospels and magic? So I said, like, in the West, we don't really believe in magic because we're too smart. We don't believe in magic. So we, we say, and it's the supernatural, by the way. So it's kind of, you say, kind of out of favor here in the West. 
But that does not be, mean that people don't seek idols or seek new, uh, what do you call it, new saviors, different places. Um, it could be on Facebook, Instagram, or Instagram, Instagram, or Snap, or TV, or something. And you follow someone in hope that they will preach the gospel, and you kind of become their disciples, or people would. And you can say, well, why would people do that? Perhaps friends and people. So why do you follow somebody, uh, some influencer, some sports person? Um, why do that? Well, I, I guess neither is because they never heard about Jesus or they rejected Jesus or they think these people preach a better gospel. Um, the interesting thing about this is that even the famous and the smart people and the uh, the people with uh, lots of followers, uh, sometimes they come to the conclusion that their lives are kind of not fulfilling. And so they might have mil millions and millions of euros, they might have a billion followers, they might have actually done anything in their sport, and then they will be sitting there and saying, is this it? Uh, some of the people you, you might know, some famous people, they they did an attempt to uh, bring some value to their life. They decided, that, okay, well, I can't, my life can't just determine on me, so I need to like, serve other people. I will make an organization that helps people. I will uh, pay for schooling in Africa. I will do this uh, because I need something that makes my, I need to feel like I'm making a difference in other people's lives, because now I have everything myself, and that's not working. Um, so then, we can say, well, that's not necessarily bad. Well, then on the other hand, well, maybe it is actually really bad. You might say, why is that bad? Well, if you're taking advantage of poor, marginalized people, for you to feel better, then you're still basically feeling really, really selfish. So if your motivation to help other people is to give you purpose, then you're just serving yourself. Now, I don't have anything out against people helping, but that just shows that they are their own guys. Anyway. So is that today's magic? Or what is today's magic? Is it power, fame, well, whatever today's magic is, it cannot satisfy. Because only Jesus can satisfy. And as you said earlier, Satan has a counterfeit for everything good that, that God does. You can say, well, nowadays we have these other types of prayer, or they don't call it prayer, they call it mindfulness or random meditation, which is kind of prayer to yourself or prayer to something to make yourself feel better. So I would say that's some of the counterfeits. So prayer that was supposed to be God who can do something about it is now made for people to clear their minds to feel better about themselves. It's, and, and things that are counterfeits are not obvious, not always obvious, is not always obviously destructive. 
but they will lead you away from Jesus. And they might lead you to yourself or some random false teacher. And in false teachers, we see are motivated by money, power, fame, having the ability to hold. And the call is for us to, to test the spirits. Not all people are living for Jesus, but many people are making disciples in their own image. And this is something I've been convicted about recently, is that when people tell us Christians to be quiet, and not share the good news and make disciples. You're forcing your religion on us. What a bunch of... Everyone is doing that. Everyone is forcing the gospel on everybody else. Every podcast you listen to, every TV show you watch, every influence in person, they are preaching our gospel. And that is the world should look like this. The problem with every other gospel is it's probably going to make them rich and famous. And it's going to look like what they think the world should look like. But they're a person. Everyone is preaching the gospel and everyone is making disciples. The scary part of it would be that sometimes if you, if you are following somebody, they don't even know what they're doing. They're just trying to get by themselves. But they might have a hundred thousand or a billion people watching them, being their disciples, and they don't even know what they're doing. They're just trying to get through life. The question for us is, can you find this? Do you, do you see that when you're listening to something? I don't think he's listening to but I listened to a podcast about fitness. And there's a clear gospel in there. Absolutely clear. It's preached almost every time. It's a terrible one. But it's there every time. It's so, it's so big that his followers even repeat it back if they're on the show. Can you see that? Can you see that in the podcast and the things that you stream and the people you listen to? Can you see what gospel they're preaching? How has that affected you? There's so many teachers around you. What are they saying? And how does that preaching affect you? Yes, preaching. Because as you can hear me say now, they're making disciples. It's preaching. All people are sharing a gospel of a hell and a gospel of a heaven. They can be very, very different. Uh, <laughs> heaven can be having nicer, hell can be having better. It can be as good as that, and then you can just take anything. It can be having dirty clothes. Heaven can have clean clothes, hell dirty clothes, being popular, unpopular, and so on and so on. But the real gospel is so much better that you created the image of God, and that's why you should be treated like it. But you did rebel against God and became your own God. But God in His mercy sent Jesus, the Lord, to save us. And to save everyone who calls on His name. Jesus died on the cross. To set us free for those things and reconcile us to God. So that we don't have to follow idols, but we can be set free from the sin, shame, and pain, and we'll be set free from them, as we talked about at the top. And we will be received by Jesus. Jesus rose again to show that if we believe in him, we will never die, but we will be with Jesus. This is the true gospel. 
And it's way better than any other gospel about having good hair or being popular or being so fit that you can do all sorts of weird things. But you might say that everybody else might say, well, the world is still a big mess. And you're right, it is. But as Paul says in Romans, the world is groaning like a child. And the believer is looking forward to see Jesus come back and make everything right. That we can see true peace. And in that time we will be in the true presence of an almighty God. But we will be with no sin, no pain, no guilt, no inclination to do the sin. Because Jesus has wiped all of that away. And what a glorious, amazing Savior. And at this point in time, we're living this life with Christ in us by the Holy Spirit. God never left us alone in this confusing world. We're at to test the spirits because they're not all from God. The world, the flesh, the devil will try to destroy you, but the power of God is in Christ Jesus is so much better and so much stronger and the only true gospel that gives meaning, purpose, and value. Now, he sees in Simon's heart and this big, this big discussion is, is Simon a real believer? Is he a fake believer? I'm like in the middle, like one commentator that I found, someone's like, he's not, he is, he's not, he's like, I'm, he says he believes, and then he doesn't believe. He's somewhere in somewhere. Like some commentators that kind of believe in the So we see that all of a sudden he starts trying to buy, like, He, he tries to buy the gift of God with money. So if he's a believer, he's definitely not understanding what it means to be a believer. Um, and and, and um, Simon points out some things in his life like bitterness and stuff. And so just the last point is to, we need to guide our hearts. Keep your heart with all religions for from it goes straight away. That, then it allows us to watch our hearts. And so in Hebrew, breathing, the heart is not just the organ, it's the whole being, some being of who you are. So be on our guard of what we take into ourselves. That we don't have, as, as uh, Hebrew says, that, that there would be no root of bitterness that springs up and causes trouble and, by, and becomes defiled. That nobody is sexually immoral, unholy, uh, because there will be at some point there will be no time to repent. And so it's it's a call for all of us to look at all the things that I have said before, like all those false gospels that are being being presented. But also when we are hurt, when we're suffering, when somebody hurts us, is there something in us somewhere that starts of bitterness? And it does not get taken out. That can lead us to make many bad decisions. And a root of bitterness will come up and 
and kill all the joy that we have in Christ and distort how we see the world. So it's this strong encouragement to root out any bitterness or anger or slander that we have and bring these things to Jesus. And that's probably good to have a friend, somebody to help us. Also sometimes like, do you see this? If I, this is, I did not prepare this, but I remember being in meetings a long, long, long time ago. And somebody said to me afterwards, I think, I think you are bitter. And they were right, but I didn't know it. I had been hurt by someone, and I was reacting maliciously towards them when we talked about them. But I couldn't see it. But the other person could see it and said, I think you're bitter. And I was. But they helped me to see, hey, there's something in your heart that needs to come out. And that was really helpful for me because I thought I'd forgiven those people. I thought everything was better. But I was still reacting like they weren't. So it was very helpful that that person pointed that out. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, just a, it's just a call for the importance of not having things root in us that, that needs to be given over to Jesus and forgiven. Because, like I said, like presenting the gospel, you know, we forgive, we forgive, we forgive, we have been forgiven all the things we do wrong. And I'm not saying it's easy, because I don't know all your backgrounds. But if there is stuff that I wish somebody is pretty deeply, um, it could be other churches, it could be other people, that somehow you get those things resolved. So you don't have a bitterness going inside you that will kill you, enjoy you, and also affect you. And then the final part is just, uh, do you see the limitations? How do you see the opportunities that God brings? And another just a strange illustration that was, I did not plan on that one either, but we were running this uh, uh, Saturday, I was running this beautiful, everything was frosty, but it was really cold. I got really cold. So it's been the first really, really cold run of the year. And so the other guys are like, <laughs> two miles away. But I have to go there first, so I'm kind of warm to come out of the phone conference. Like, so I'm like, I'm okay. And it's like, I mean, it's cold, but I'm okay. And so we get going, they're like still trying to get warm. And they start complaining about the, the frost. And I'm like, guys, but it's, you know, it's great, you know. There's not that wind, you know, so it really hurts. And then like the one guy says, yes, yes, and with you, the, and with you, the, and he said to me, this is so really cold, so he says, and yeah, and with you, the glass is always half full. <laughs> so I was just trying, you know, I was trying just to, hey, let's, let's see if there's something good about this. And, and of course, they were still cold, so they saw the temptation. Um, all this to say is like, when for some reason, something bad is God doing something good with us? And even in this weird, crazy 2020 that everybody just wants to 
and, and then we hope it gets better next year. Uh, one of the things and opportunities that God has, has done, I mean, this good man, I mean, um, like I said, um, like for us, we all of a sudden saw that it was a possibility to share the gospel and were witnessing. And then, uh, that's so great. We got that opportunity. But that was only because of Corona. Well, else we wouldn't have seen it. We wouldn't have seen all the people lining up outside because they wouldn't have been inside. Um, so, so there are opportunities. I, I, I got to just be honest. I, I, that's not my first. That's why it's funny when they're running things that they think I'm so positive. Because, because I think in myself, I see limitations all the time. But. But I think it's a challenge for all of us to so say, but what is that? And how can he work through all these things? Um, so that's just an, an encouragement for all of us. Uh, next week, we're going to continue uh, with Philip, and maybe for some people it's a very uh, known passage, uh, but we're going to see how the, uh, the gospel. Uh, gospel uh, Gospel potentially goes into North Africa and so on. So it's going to be Philip that did it, the unity next time. And so next time we Acts 28, 26 to 40, and we'll be in that region there. So uh, then you can prepare. But let's pray. Here, Father, thank you for this time. Um, Lord, I just thank you that you continue to work in through this world that is broken, um, but you promise to come back and heal it, and it will be the way you intended it. Lord, just I pray for myself and each person here, Lord, that you would help us guard our hearts um, against evil. Uh, you protect us from evil, but fill us with all the good and help us to understand so much better who you are, Jesus. And that you have a true, only real gospel. Yeah. And Lord, I ask that you help us Embrace that. Help us to be good and repentant. Help us to help one another to root out bitterness in our lives. Um, help us to to be what you've set here, set us here to be, uh, to be witnesses of your glory and your grace to the people here, locally and globally. So, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.